Every Monday through Thursday, we bring you a new story on the theme of power, culture, or the future. Handpicked from theoutline.com. I'm your host, James T. Green, and this is The Dispatch. of our health, our doctors, nurses, teachers, and parents are working together to keep us power. In the year of our Lord 2018, in which we have the technology to install voicemail systems with nearly unlimited storage capacities, as well as text-to-speech transcription, it would seem that congresspeople should not have full voicemail inboxes. Power intern, Michael Waters. Yet U.S. citizens who call their congresspeople may encounter phone lines run so ragged that they are kicked to a voicemail box that is already full, despite constant insistence by activists that picking up the phone is one of the few ways of affecting change as a constituent. How is democracy supposed to function in this scenario? The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye. So, Michael, I don't know about you, but I personally get stoked when I receive a voicemail. Do you? Um, considering that most of my voicemails are just from my father, probably not. <laughs> I'll admit, like, a lot of my voicemails are from family or, you know, Sally Mae asking for my student loan yeah. payments. But, yeah, these Congress people obviously are getting so many voicemails. So the first question I want to throw at you is, does calling your congressperson actually work? It does. I mean, there have been lots of, there's lots of evidence to suggest that calling your congressperson is the best way to affect change. Um, it's what a, a lot of activists online and in real life, whatever that is, will tell you to do is to call mm -hmm. your congressperson. The game of it, though, is just whether you can actually reach the congressperson or right. reach a voicemail inbox with which to log your opinion. <laughs> okay, so now that we have that established... Why are the back ends of all these like voicemail systems so messy? Like, why are they always full? Like, what the hell is going on? Most Congress people have like four to seven phone lines um, in their offices, and their voicemails will take about a hundred or so messages. And considering you have constituents in the hundreds of thousands or millions, even that's mm -hmm. really not a lot. That's about like an average of like let's say six hundred voicemail messages before it craps out. Yeah, exactly. So before we get into the bad, I want to focus really quick on the good. Are there any good actors here? At least good actors in terms of voicemail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just clarify. Yeah. Good actors in terms of voicemails. Like a good example is Colorado Senator Cory Gardner. Um, and he has a voicemail system in his office that's virtually unlimited um, because in 2018 we do have technology and we can store virtually unlimited voicemails. Okay, so let's get into the messy drama. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Messy political drama. So I see that you spoke to some congressional staffers. Who did you speak to? One person I spoke to is Celeste Pewter, and she was a former political staffer, um, mm. and she spoke to me about the different rules around voicemail systems. And basically... I mean, the long and short of it is that there are no rules. Um, there's no overriding rule Interesting. Like, across the U.S. For like there's no half. regulation as far as, like, you have to uh, check at X amount of time in this type of thing. Right, exactly. There's, Interesting. There's no rule that you even have to have a voicemail system. I mean, it's, like, 
completely. I think most people do have voicemail systems, but it's completely <laughs> fair game. They could just get rid of it if they wanted to. Wow. Um, and I also spoke to Nick O'Neill, um, who is a co-founder of the action committee Five Calls, which is encouraging people to call their congresspeople, and it logs the phone data of people who use their site. And so Nick O'Neill has compiled tons of data since early last year around how frequently people get to actually call their congresspeople when they call in, like how frequently they get to a representative. When I was talking to him, he mentioned the example of Ted Cruz, our favorite Texas senator. Yes. Not a day goes by that my mom is not lifting me up in prayer. That's true. For hours at a time. According to Nick O'Neill, early last year was like notoriously bad about, at least his office was notoriously bad about answering calls. And so his unavailable rate, which is the rate at which like you call him and not only does his staff not pick up, but his voicemail is full. So then you like (laughs) really can't do anything. So his unavailable rate at the beginning of last year was goodbye 9%. (laughs) And the average, the average is three percent. So that's like oh, very high. Oh, so he's high. actually like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's like one in ten people, like not being able to even like talk right. to anyone or in any way express their view, which is like bad considering like democracy, et cetera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and so, uh, but so a funny thing that happened with Ted Cruz is that early this year, like his office has completely changed tune, you know, like, yeah, now his voicemail inbox is almost never full. He has people who are answering the phones. Um, Why did he decide to, like, get his shit together? The only way for me to be able to deliver for the people of Texas is to show up in every single community in every county. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, like, I, I contacted the office for comment, and they didn't answer me, but the theory is that Ted Cruz is in a tight Senate race all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um And Beto O'Rourke, who some people know, is running against him. And just magically, earlier this year, his unavailable rate dropped to 2%. Mm. And yeah, and on the topic of the problem of, like, actually reaching your senator and how hard it can be, especially in busy periods. So Wired in a story had a really good breakdown of this. And so they talked about how if offices are open 10 hours a day and if each call takes about one minute and no one ever takes a bathroom break and the office is fully staffed, that means that the office can take about 4,200 calls every day. I mean, that sounds completely doable. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, it's not going to happen. It's going to be less than that yeah, no matter not. what. Of course, yeah. But like 4,200 is, again, not really that much if you consider how many people these offices represent, mm-hmm. and especially if it's if there's, like, a major political issue going on, like right. the, a health care fight, you know? It's, like, so many people are tuned in, so many people yeah. are calling, like... Yeah, I mean, like, right now is a very political issue yeah. <laughs> in every which way. Yeah. You mentioned up top, like, calling is the best way to get action from politicians. So if they aren't answering, like, what's the butterfly effect here, like... Is there any kind of better tech that people should be adopting? Like, it seems like there's no excuse at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's no better tech that people should be adopting, but people have tried other things. Like, a lot of people now try to fax their congresspeople, and especially their congresspeople who are notoriously bad at answering their phones. They receive a lot of faxes. Like, Mm -hmm. um, Pat Toomey's office in Pennsylvania is, like, the most faxed office in the U.S. because (laughs) he's also, like, terrible at answering his calls. 
I mean, you see like random anecdotes on Twitter with people trying to reach their Congress people. Like, for instance, one woman in um, in Utah sent or delivered a pizza to her senator, <laughs> and on the message on the pizza delivery, she like wrote her opinion on yes. like the issue that was going on. If you're calling to reach your senator, the tech options are not better at all. Calling, leaving a voicemail, etc., is the best way to get in contact. Um, and I really think that the tech solution is on the part of the Congress people who have the voicemail inboxes because, again, they can upgrade to a better system like Cory Gardner's office did. Hmm. They can make it virtually unlimited. Um, they can hire more people to answer the phones during busy periods. So there's not really anything that you as an individual constituent can do, but there is something like super easy, like frustratingly easy that these congresspeople can do. <laughs> Which is check their voicemails. Check their voicemails. <laughs> or like if they don't want to check them, like get a better voicemail system that like takes more voicemail messages. The Outland World Dispatch is produced and hosted by me, James D. Green. Our music is courtesy of APM and our theme is by The Fantastic, John Lacamarcino. Special thanks to Brandy Jensen for providing those wonderful vocals for our messy political drama. Messy political drama. I'm James C. Green, and I'm super sad that this will be Michael's last dispatch as an outline intern. I know. I have to make some sort of comeback cameo at some point. <laughs> you do. Do you have any last words? <laughs> this is totally putting me on the spot. I have no last words. I have no thoughts on anything. Yeah. Well, how can people find you? Um, I... I'm not anywhere. I just tweet a lot. Uh, my Twitter handle is author. I made it when I was 13, but... So even though I'm, like, super sad, like, I'm sure we're going to hear from you still for, like, pitching and everything, right? Yeah, I hope so. All right, good, good. Well, thanks again. You've definitely made me a much more informed citizen. <laughs> no, for real. Like, it's just about, like, you know, politics and all these type of things. So thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here and talk about Ted Cruz, my favorite. <laughs> See you later. Well, I want to tell that, and you're the best person to tell that. Well, there's some very personal details that I don't want to go into.